So, you want to hear a ghost story? That's Lisa Escalon, the Overholster Mansion Museum Coordinator. She's been working with the museum for 10 years, giving tours, and even before she was hired full-time, she had volunteered by giving tours. I'm Sam Saxon, reporting from TSSN Studios, and you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where I'm exploring urban legends. This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Oki Comics. Oki Comics Magazine is a quarterly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Check them out at okiecomics.com. That's O-K-I-E comics.com. One three-story house in particular stands out on the corner of Hudson and Northwest 15th. Built of yellow brick with red roof tiles is what architects call chattelesque with gabled windows, numerous roof lines, and a prominent tower. Well, welcome to the Overholzer Mansion. I want to welcome you to the first mansion built here in Oklahoma City. It was built in 1903, about 12,000 square feet, seven fireplaces, 109 windows, and it is a 95 to 98% original collection here in the house. Uh, Only four people have ever lived in it, never more than three people at one time, and any time anybody did occupy the residence, there's only two people residing in this 12,000 square foot of space. Now, Henry Overholzer, who built the home, originally was from Ohio. He arrives here in 1889, and he's already a very wealthy businessman. He made his money up north in mercantiles and real estate. He owned mines out in Colorado. He owned prefab building companies up in Michigan and Wisconsin. And when Henry Overholzer hears about the land runs here in Oklahoma and Indian Territory, that's what brings him down here. He packs up train car loads full of building supplies, lumber, and prefabs. He gets here and basically it's a beginnings of a tent village and he brings in his prefabs and immediately he is in business. Overholster had no shortage of businesses either. He bought up town lots as quickly as he could and started the Overholster Hotel, then the Overholster Theater, and even the Overholster Opera House. And Henry Overholster goes on to build about a dozen buildings downtown in our present-day Oklahoma City. Um, He contributed to developing Oklahoma City in a very big way, not only with building, but major investor in the streetcar system. Uh, We have Lake Overholzer that is named after him, and he also started the State Fair of Oklahoma. He marries Anna Ione Murphy in October of 1889, and her family has come in from Harrison, Arkansas. Her father is a very prominent attorney. His name is Samuel Murphy. Samuel Murphy would become Oklahoma's first territorial treasurer. Together after they marry, Henry and Anna are considered civic and social leaders. So once the home was complete in 1903, this was the social center of Oklahoma City. Uh, They were known not only for their lavish lifestyle, but lavish parties, and they entertained often. And they had a son, Henry Samuel, who died back in 1891. Henry Samuel only lived to be eight months. Their daughter, who was born in 1905, would be named Henry Ione. Henry after her father, Ione after her mother's middle name. Now, Henry Ione would live here her entire life, born in 1905 in the house, 
She would go on to marry David J. Perry in 1926. Um, David J. Perry is one of those pioneer aviators. She and Mr. Perry would live here until Henry Owen's death in 1959. She was 54, and she died of cancer. And unfortunately, she and J. Perry never had any children. By 1959, Henry Overholzer had already passed on. In fact, Henry Overholzer passed away in 1915 at the age of 69. Mrs. Overholzer would never remarry, but would continue to be the socialite of Oklahoma City until her own death in 1940. And she too was 69 years old. Then Henry Owen would die 19 years after her, 1959, as I said. And so the house is getting to the point where we've been open to the public almost longer than any of the family members have ever lived here. Now, Jay Perry would sell the house to the Oklahoma Historical Society in 1972. And when he does so, he leaves all the contents in the house. So you're looking at original furnishings, original carpets, original hand stenciled walls. And the house is pretty much the way Mr. and Mrs. Overholzer built it in 1903, the original decorations. And so you're looking, taking a glimpse of the past kind of like through the eyes of the Overholzer family, the way they lived over 115 years ago. The house is practically a time capsule. The lavish dining room is set for a dinner party of 12 with red glassware, porcelain, and crystal. The parlor holds delicate gold rim furniture in pink and blue fabrics. Mr. Overholzer's smoking lounge is a classic 1900s man cave with the armrest of the dark wood chairs carved into the shapes of lions and dragons. Ornate Persian rugs run the length of each room. We climbed one of the several staircases up to the bedrooms of the second floor where many of the Hoverholster's actual clothes were laid out in display. Then we ventured further upstairs. So this is the third floor where the nanny, or actually her her title was nursery governess, and I call her the nanny, because it's a term we use more frequently these days. And you can see from this third floor that this was her residence, and it was a rather gracious and pretty generous accommodations for a nanny. And this was be considered staff area. Today, the third floor is lined with displays in glass cases of family memorabilia, hand-painted dishware, and baby dolls made with human hair. So up here we have our collection of toys and baby furniture, which is mostly donations. However, we do have some of Henry I owns baby things, her walker, bathtub, and a doll bed that belonged to her. Uh, the cabinets were installed by the museum, and we still have some original things here of um, Mrs. Overholzer's and Mr. Overholzer's. She collected a lot of the porcelain and we see some other items that were gifted to Mr. Overholzer. This um, Victrola was gifted to him by George Grayson. Another Victrola here was from another, um, I think it was Anton Klassen that um, gave this to Mr. Overholzer. And then we have another piece that was actually acquired in Chicago back in 1893. We also have the large trunk collection here that was um, really found in the closets here of the mansion. There are 11 closets just up here on the third floor. The largest room on this third floor is where the nanny resided. 
and the furniture in here is original. The toys and dolls are the ones that are donated. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a question. Sure. Our tour was interrupted by a man in a tweed jacket with leather patches on the elbows. Nothing else about him was out of the ordinary. Average height, average build, average brown hair, and an average haircut. Yet, he had a quizzical gleam in his eye. Uh, in my research for some of my books, I've heard quite a few ghost stories about the Overholzer Mansion. Is, the, is it truly haunted? So you want to hear a ghost story? Mm. Mm -hmm, yeah. One of the, well, let me see, let me pick one. One, well, this is the most active part of the house. And one of the stories, not only within the house and the Oklahoma Historical Society, is that Mrs. Overholzer has been seen looking out the window of the tower, second floor and third floor tower. She's also been seen walking the halls of the second floor. And also, from my perspective, I've been here for a long time. I have several ghost stories. I've heard doors slam in the house. I've heard my name called. It's always a woman. There's also been tales that Oklahoma Historical Society um, maintenance people have seen her on the second floor sitting room window. And those are just a few to name, you know, over the years. And I'm sure there are more from other volunteers and previous curators before myself. Done with what seemed like a chore of telling ghost stories about the mansion, Lisa continued on the tour. So you can see that this third floor is very spacious. So the nanny had very generous accommodations. The interesting thing about this third floor is after the nanny was no longer employed, which was probably around 1916, this third floor door was shut and it was a storage floor for over 50 years until it was acquired by the Oklahoma Historical Society. So if you're ready, we'll walk down to the first floor. The man in the jacket who had asked about ghosts before was at the back of the group, scratching his chin and staring at the nanny's room as if he was searching for something. I hung back to ask him a few questions. So you mentioned that you're a writer, uh, correct? Oh yes, I've written over 87 books. Wow, that's that's quite impressive. I'm surprised we haven't you know, had you on the radio to do an interview. Yes, well, uh, many of my books have been suppressed due to what the Bigoted Times considers uh, favorable literature and my dinosaur slash fiction, which they have frowned upon. Everyone's a critic, I'd say, but I mean, I might be interested in reading some of your stories. I'm always open, pretty open-minded individual. Uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Like, why, why are you here at the Overholster Mansion? So, well, my name is Professor Joff DeRoot. Uh, and most of my research actually focuses on the folklore and stories of Oklahoma. Uh, we are a surprisingly paranormal state. Uh, yeah, that's kind of why I'm starting to do this podcast, uh, just to kind of show some of the urban legends we got here in Oklahoma. So uh, you got any good stories I might be able to uh, tag along or anything I should know about? For Oh, we have stories for decades worth of material. Uh, even this building itself, I've, I've collected several stories. Uh, even one of my coworkers, she came here as a guest to a wedding where they were hosting and said it was a very beautiful time, but when the photographer showed up with the pictures afterward, uh, there was a black mark floating over the to-be to husband in every single one of the pictures. 
And uh, people would laugh and say, well, you know, it's, it's a camera thing and things. But it was different positions, different lighting, always with that little smudge. And uh, that may be Mrs. Overholzer herself said to be hanging out here in the in the house, and I guess she didn't much care for this fellow. Uh, which, of course, the marriage did fall apart within six months, so. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, being a somewhat of a photographer myself, yeah, it's pretty easy to get and get black smudges and stuff like that, so I would mean, you know, I would probably ask for my money back <laughs> with that wedding photographer, if you know what I'm saying. Well, skeptics might talk about photography, but there are other interactions. Uh, I talked with a paranormal investigator who attended the house here, and during one of the investigations, headed up onto the third floor near this nurse's room. So he said that as he was moving along, uh, he got the impression that he shouldn't be here, that, that uh, he is investigating too far. Uh, but you know, he's an investigator, so he's going to push forward uh, until something slapped the iPad he was using to record out of his hands. Uh, not just uh, dropped it, but actually slid four feet across the room toward the stairs. So something did not want him to be there, and he actually uh, took account of that. And then I myself uh, was here doing some earlier research and uh, alone up on the third floor. Uh, as I approached that nurse's room, uh, the entire air went ice cold. I've never experienced that before, but uh, here in a, you know, fairly well-ventilated building for 1903 is not going to have a massive temperature change on a room scale like that. Well, I mean, I have seen some parts of the house where they, you know, they're got some cracks and things and doing some repair work. I mean, it is a pretty old house. I mean, drafts are, you know, would be expected in a building like this. It was in August. The draft should have made it warmer, not colder. I didn't say much after that. Jeff just kind of glared at me with one eye wider than the other. It was time to move on. Well, um, actually, um, where is everybody at? I think we got separated. Oh, yes, yeah, so we were talking. We, uh, we should probably see where they went. Maybe, maybe over here toward the tower? At this point, a refined and poised woman walked up to us from the tower window seat. She wore an ivory-colored high-neck blouse and matching long skirt and what you would call a Gibson girl hairstyle. Are you gentlemen lost? Yeah, I, I, think, I think we might be just a little bit lost. The individuals you are looking for are down in the kitchen on the first floor. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. You too. Be safe. Jeff and I arrived in the kitchen just as the group was making its way down to the basement. I want to clarify for our listeners that the basement is normally not part of the tour, but a special exception was made as there were a few other members of the media with the group, such as Oklahoma City Free Press and Local Lights. People always ask about it. People are very curious about the basement here in the mansion. But it isn't really normally open for tours. However, we do have someone that is still down in the basement. I call him Joe. And Joe apparently was a worker here at the house back in 1910. And I've seen him towards the back stairway by the kitchen, by the basement door. And he stands about six foot three. He's a very slight man, and I've seen him over the years for many, many, many years. Until a few years ago, when we were conducting a paranormal investigation, some of the investigators were downstairs. And on the ghost radio, when asked what his name was, he said his name was Joe. And I went downstairs. I said, Lisa, you have to hear this. So I went downstairs, and I said, I said, what is your name? He says, Joe, on the radio, ghost radio. I said, I'm sorry, I've been calling you 
Charlie all these years because I was didn't know what his name was. And the ghost radio replies, that's okay. And so from then on, every time I go into the basement, I always knock on the door and I say, Joe, coming down for trash bags. And people don't like the basement normally, but it's a basement. You know, it's not very pretty. But that is one story that anytime anybody goes down in the basement, I normally don't say anything until they come back up. And they always feel uncomfortable in the basement. I get the feeling that Joe just likes to be left by himself. So he just keeps to himself. So I try to like not go in the basement very often. And if I do, I always knock. So what are these markings here? Oh, those are just watermarks. Um, don't pay attention to them. There's something that, that's our next probably project that we need to do. You know how these old houses are. Please stay with the group. I'm so sorry we got separated. We were just I was just doing a quick little interview and in the uh, you got that very talented Mrs. Overholster actress lady upstairs who was kind enough to point us in the right direction. Lisa was quiet for a moment, then shook her head. There shouldn't have been a lady here. We're the only people here in the mansion. You must have been mistaken. No, uh, there was this lady who just looked like a spot-on Mrs. Olenhoster personator, cosplayer, <laughs> whatever you want to call her. She she was a dead ringer, I would say. No, no pun intended, I hope not. But. I'm sorry, you must be mistaken. There's nobody else could possibly be in the house. I locked the door when we came in when we began our tour. Um Well, thank you all for joining us here at the Overholzer Mansion. Enjoy Oklahoma City, and please come back and visit us. Thank you. Lisa directed us back upstairs and unlocked the door she said she had locked after we came in to start the tour. I found Jeff DeRue on the porch, leaning against one of the pillars and jotting notes down in a black notebook. Well, that was interesting. I learned quite a bit a lot about Oklahoma's history. Uh, and had some more experiences to add for the books. So what are you uh, up to now? I'm beginning a compilation of some of the largest and most active spots here in Oklahoma City, uh, which, if you're looking for another place to investigate, uh, come with me downtown. We've got a building that's claimed to be the most haunted hotel here in Oklahoma. Sounds interesting. Count me in. Here, let me... Uh, give you my cell phone number. Here, actually, just take my business card. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in business cards, but I'll, I'll write it here on this. All right. Tales Unveiled is a production of The Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. Lisa Esquilon plays as herself. The voice of Mrs. Olverholster is Lynn Keller. To support this podcast and get bonus content, visit www.talesunveiled.com. The Overholster Mansion is a real place that you can visit for yourself in Oklahoma City. For information about tours, visit overholstermansion.org. Today's advice is from Will Rogers. You've got to go out on a limb sometimes because that's where the fruit is. Mm-hmm.